0: Graduated from you know begging to stay with people at shows, which is yeah. our, our you know the substantial number of years. It was. What
1: year is that roughly when he stopped really sleeping on floors in um, earnest?
0: Honestly, it was uh, probably in the night like the mid 90s. Oh, wow. when wow! We started, I mean, we had but it was always a very intermittent thing before we started doing it more often when there was more demand for it in the 90s, you know, uh, and before that. The the touring was intermittent and it would always, you know, fall apart during the tour and break up after it, and there'd be a long period of inactivity. <laughs> um, but w- once we started doing motels, which was a huge step up in kind of standard of living, sure. Um, uh, you know, because you never knew what you were going to get, and you op- I mean, the I could I could give you a treatise on on uh, what you look for in a in a person to choose to stay, sure, to sure. stay
1: but once you get to, there are some <laughs> red flags i'm sure
0: absolutely i mean you you get it wrong sometimes too which is you know some of the more interesting stories you have are the times you get it wrong but when uh, you had we had the motel six book and there was the we learned that some of them had a washing machine and some of them didn't so yeah. the little symbol of the washing machine that we would actually plan our tour route Around that, when we got to the point where we were doing it a yeah. lot, we, so you know, you, you try to hit one of those every you know few, every few days, every week or so. Um, uh, that when once we figured that out, that made things a lot easier because that's a, a a big issue j- both for oneself personally and everybody else around who you. Who has to, s- to smell sit in you. a
1: van with them? Yeah. So yeah. Did that uh, Did that feel like a you know an important next step that you were? In motels?
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, of course, I felt a little bit guilty. Isn't the word? I felt yeah. a little bit like this was kind of two minds. First, uh, first mind is well, it's about time we stay in a stupid motel. Yeah. But then the other says, "I'm it's a bit above my station. I know my place what, what, in the world. and was it's the, not. It's was, not motels." Was so. there
1: that sort of that like? I, I, yeah, it's probably a little on the nose, but was there like the, this, the punk rock ethos thing of like?
0: Yeah, I never suffered from the punk rock ethos <laughs> in any other way than yeah. I knew I was kind of stuck with it and maybe it was an excuse. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if, if you know, well, uh we're so punk rock that we don't even have any audience when we play. That you know, that's a good way of rationalizing It was a your,
1: justification yeah, for your um, yeah.
0: But no, I ne- I never had I never had that feeling. But I did sort of feel like you know, I, I was punching above my weight as it was, uh, and anything—it uh, was—you always kind of have this feeling of resentment when things don't go well, but also when they do go well. Yeah. Like, okay, what's wrong here? And you know, that—that's kind of, you know, you—you you get used to that way of thinking, yeah. and then it kind of colors your entire, all your experience and all your, uh, all your activities, and then when you have the. The little things that seemingly come up at random where, you know, I've had a couple times in my, quote, career where there's been an unexpected success and then it just completely blindsides you. It's like you just don't know how to think about it, how to interpret it, or how to take advantage of it. Um, And this is why, and this is another thing, when you're the little guy, you don't have the, I mean, there's some people that have a, a staff to help them organize that yeah. kind of thing, which I, you know, I never had. I had. Interested people helping me. One of my, one of them, uh, longtime friend, um, who's made one of our videos and did a filmmaker, did various things. She used to call herself and everybody else that my elves, and you know, they were kind of, you know, they would volunteer. For the cause, but when you have a when you lead sort of a, a staff of volunteers and and you can't fire anybody because you're not paying them anything, um, and plus you don't know what you're doing. See, I always really wished I had some adult supervision, like someone there to say, "Okay, this happened, so do this." But I never had a clue, and I did it for 30 years without having a clue. And I still don't really have a clue. But
1: and it's, it's pretty, I <laughs> mean, it's pretty clear in hindsight, given everything that happened, that like. Maybe look at records wasn't the adult supervision that you needed.
0: No, no. I mean, there were a lot of great things about it. Yeah. Um.
1: But but they were clearly dealing with their own shit at the time.
0: Uh, absolutely. And you know, I mean, part of what was good about them vis-a-vis us yeah. was there was very little interference with what we would, you know, with. I mean, what I I guess for one of a better term, you could say my vision for what thing this was that we were doing Um, but uh, you know on on the other hand uh, there wasn't there was never a plan beyond that there was a fantasy about the kind of you know project I wanted to create that was mostly fantasy and then would sort of trickle out and trace elements in the degenerate version of of it that actually got produced Um, and then it was great I mean I re- you know I mean I, I realize now how great it was to live yeah. in a world where a record label could exist and could be viable and could sell things for which you were paid royalties I mean we don 't live in that world now um, it 's a lot harder now um, in that regard, um, so having a label that doesn 't hate you that continues to put out your stuff is a great thing the, 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 if I, kids young people in rock bands now who hear this. Will have no idea what I'm talking about because yeah. you don't. They, they just. There's no such thing as a record label that gives you money and says, "Here, yeah. record a record with this, and we will uh, recoup it from selling objects." Uh, we, you know, you don't have that. You got to do it on your own, and that's what that's what that's what the old guys like me have to do too. It's like it's a, it's the, it's they changed across the board, um, but you know, there's some. I've had figures to guide me, but never an overarching plan. And if I could go back, I can see the things now that would have been better to do in the various stages. On the other hand, you know, I can always see the other side. Because on the other hand, part uh, part of the unpredictability and, honestly, the kind of idiocy in what I did and what we did cause some interesting things to happen by accident and yeah. you know that's kind of the magic of, of art and culture is when you stumble into things because you're too incompetent to realize it's the wrong thing to try and you know I'm certainly not the only or the best example of that in the history of music or whatever but I certainly am an example of it I've stumbled into a lot of things that looking back turned out to be pretty cool so you know there's good, good points and bad points about that way of of uh, doing it
1: well, I mean, the, the thing—the thing that you you know realize in hindsight is that just just guidance isn't enough, and just advice isn't enough. You have to actually be willing to to take it.
0: That's true, and you have to, and there have to be people that know what they're talking yeah. about. You can't know whether they're, and very few people really do, and no, no one yeah. knows what they're doing. Nevertheless, um, the the I, I I mostly just in terms of the. I, the criticism I could make in that category is mostly just of me as a writer. If I could do one thing had a time machine, you know, other than killing Hitler or the obvious things that you do first, sure. um, I would tell my earlier self that this stuff that I was doing was going to be was, still exists 30 years later. Yeah. And people were still going to be yeah. looking at it. And to just try a little harder to yeah. make it better because it just never seemed quite as important as it should have and mm. the bar was really low you didn't have to you know i i could be regarded as being a pretty good songwriter by putting the minimal effort into it because nobody really tried i mean i was not alone in not really trying
1: but that very was hard. i mean that was that was kind of part of the aesthetic right and and then you know if you'd really it's It's easy to go completely in another other direction it's it's easy to try way too hard, and absolutely. sometimes that comes no, across
0: absolutely right and you know you make I made all these mistakes kind yeah. of like the, the the phrases growing up in public you know and I certainly did that I, it's just i think this is where I say like a you know some kind of adult supervision would have been good because someone other than this far fetched idea of my me going back in time myself there could have been someone says look you got to pay more attention to the writing because and i eventually figured it out 10 years in, i figured out okay i gotta i gotta buckle down on this and make it good because i realized i don't have that much else going except for this the one thing i have control over that i am potentially good at is the writing itself and uh you know, I mean, I'm not I'm not going to win any awards for my singing. I'm not, you know, not the greatest guitar player sure. or anything. You know, I don't, but the writing was something that I was capable of. And once I sort of decided that that was what I was going to focus on, I realized, wow, I've been really not doing it very well for all this time when what? everybody kind of was going, oh, it, it's just fine, you know? What's the
1: turning point, though? Like, what what is the record where you started really the, taking things seriously?
0: The... Um, the first time I tried to, <laughs> to make the, the, uh, the content yeah. live up to the, um, the vision to the, yeah, was probably in 92 when we were recording our bodies ourselves. Yeah. The, um, the previous record, milk, milk lemonade was very ambitious, uh, on a, I mean, ridiculously low budget. It was very sure. ambitious kind of uh, as far as arrangements went and everything, um, and I thought that I had done a pretty good job on the songs, but then, you know, I realized I wanted something more, and it didn't really quite come off with our bodies ourselves. I was just was gradually trying to figure it out, but, you know, the subsequent records, I did get a lot better, and it was all because I just decided to force myself to do it when I had been kind of a slacker and not taking it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it wouldn't, it's not like, you know, taking it seriously so much as just if you're going to do it, do it well, you know, do it well. Um, I never had this idea that what I was doing was important in any way. It's just like, if you're going to do it, you might as well, just for your own sake. So you're not embarrassed when you look at it, you know, that, is sort of what I w- what I was thinking. I remember the I- this this idea I had that that I w- w- played in my head was I want the lyrics to be like a book. I want to take the, li- to take the lyric sheet and be able to read it all the way through, and n- nothing sounds, no- and you don't look at it and say, "Oh, well, maybe this will be good if I hear the song." I want it to be two parallel things that both were you know the same, but also could exist separately on this. And our bodies ourselves was had a bit. Had you know, I was had to took me a while to harness those horses once I identified them, um, and I did it a little better, you know, gradually as, as time went on. But that was the first time I had the thought w- of of trying to do that. And uh,
1: twenty five years later, here we are. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> finally, you finally realized that dream. It's it's interesting though, you know, the, the way because you know if you're talking like ninety two, um, mm. how that. Decision to really focus on it kind of kind of it kind of starts to coincide with you becoming a bit more of a pop band, right?
0: Uh, yeah, yes. I mean, and um, part of that was the 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 what my band and my recording outfit and everything was capable of doing yeah. uh, before then didn't live uh, live up. I mean, I, I I always wanted it to sound like a, a you know, I mean if. if Punk roots, punk, pop. They say pop, punk. I never like. We always said punk, pop. And it's no one knows what it means. And it's, a, but um, the buzzcocks. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I had that. I, it, I could just could never quite bring it off because of the way, Yeah, you know, ever, there were, I mean, you know, I mean, I step up and say I'm the first of all the list of weaknesses um, that prevented it from doing that at that time. I'm the main one. Mm. But, um, but, you know, that said, yeah, that's true. Um, It was, I wanted to distill the songwriting to its essence, and that is what a good pop song is, you know? I mean, and then sometimes you can stray from it, but basically if you've got a whole album where you don't have verses and choruses and where it's not coherent and where the songs don't communicate a a central idea or feeling or narrative or whatever, um, it's, it's not it's not, there's a reason why pop music is valued by people who like music, even if they don't like that word, yeah. a pop song is forever, and so, and it's hard to do, and you have to really, and sometimes you can try, you can write a hundred songs and they won't work, none of them work, and then the hundred and first one will, so sometimes it's a luck of the draw, but it's also, you, you can learn what it is that makes a, a song work, and then you know, try to employ that in your own replicated. And, 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 and yeah, so, uh, so yeah, it was, a, it was a, a, combination of circumstances. It was also, um, the, the line up the band that I wound up with, yeah. Um, was kind of inexperienced and, uh, the kinds of arrangements that could be done were very, um, It was we were kind of stuck with minimalism, although that was also kind of something that was part of the remit was, you know, stepping back from all of the, you know, grandiose instrumental stuff. And just you want to feature the songs, so make them as simple as possible. Um, The first album that sounded like the first recording that sounded like what we later became known for. Um, sounded that way because we had a really tiny budget, mm. and the bass player was in another band and only had a very, you know, a few hours to do his parts, and then he had to leave. And then we, the budget kept being cut, and it was just a, it was a, you know, I, at the time I thought of it as a disaster because we, I didn't know, I didn't even want to finish yeah. it, so we didn't have time to do anything to it other than let's just get. Well, we're in the studio that we can't pay for. Let's just. Do it, you know. At least get something down. That was Kevin Army's uh, uh, philosophy. The yeah. Kevin Army, the guy who produced all those records, and so that was became was what became the uh, Mr. She Experience and the Women Who Loved Them EP. And uh, you know that started a, a period of basically three records that kind of sounded like that. Before I started to be uh, to get tired of doing that and decided to, you know, try to smash that apart and, and, and do something else. Another decision that was commercially stupid, probably artistically uh, right. I mean, I don't think I would have recorded too many more yeah. uh, records if I'd had to just replicate that same one over and over, like some people happily do. Um, but yeah, it was so circumstance. It was intention. It was uh, limitations. It's always, you know, you. sometimes really great things happen when you make the most of your limitations because yep. you're forced to. And that's certainly the case with the women who love them. I, it was a, almost a year after it was recorded that we finally got around to thinking about releasing it. <laughs> and I listened to the tapes and was completely surprised to find out that it sounded pretty good. Because my memory of it... You didn't even want to think about it? No, I was yeah. just like, I'm, I'm done with this. <laughs> this sucks. Nobody, nobody wants me to do it. That's a, this is the thing that you... that a lot of people don't understand when you... Because everybody thinks of that period as everyone, you know, East Bay Punk, you were on the Easy Street, everyone... But And maybe that was kind of the case a little bit later on, but at that time, this hovering idea was nobody wants you to do this. There's no reason for you to do it. You've got this label that doesn't really want you to do it. You've got, like, your band isn't even really into it. There's no public for it. It's just kind of... you. What is the perverse reason that you're doing this thing with no constituency? Um, and so, yes, it's demoralizing, and that's why for that that whole middle period, it was you know every record was going to be the all right, this is the swan song, this is the last one, yeah. Uh, I'll just you know uh, throw it all into a into a pan and fry it up, and then I'll go on and you know move on to do something else.
1: You're totally right. It's funny because I look at a, a record like like you know Love Is Dead, and it's like oh yeah, well that. When you look at external forces, when you look at what had happened to Green Day ranted all these bands at the time, I always got the impression from the outside that that lookout must have been like all right let 's push it this is going to be this is going to be the next big band coming through
0: uh, for me <laughs> yeah I mean, I mean no, the, it seemed like see, the right what, yeah once things took off, yeah then you know they were they were on our, i mean one of the i mean one of the things that happened was lookout records got reorganized and Basically, Larry, and there were three people, Yeah, Larry, the, the founder, and yeah. then his two partners who were, you know, teenagers when he started, and then they, they you know, kind of grew up a little bit, and then so two of the Larry and Pat, um, kind of cashed in and pulled out yeah. when, when uh, after the Green Day hit big. So then it was Chris, who, Chris Applegren, good friend of mine, and sort of like one of the... You know, I would say if you want to make a, a list of the people who quote believed in me, he was one of two people. <laughs> the other being Kevin Army, um, without whom yeah. I never would have done anything. But when Chris two t- two good
1: people to have in your in your court, though. Yeah,
0: when when Chris took over, it was like you know, it was like we we were. I had been thinking I was gonna, you know. Uh, I still had some recordings I was gonna do, but I was gonna, I was gonna be, you know, I was thinking I'll do it myself, maybe put it out on cassette. I wasn't sure what, I, and you know, they, Larry's last days when everybody was thinking of yeah. jumping ship, he went around trying to persuade people to do. And for me, the way I experienced that uh, pitch was do one last record with us, and that for us ended up being the uh, alternative is here to say stays seven inch and. EP, and then after that we weren't sure what to do. But the fact is that at that time, Green Day was big. Suddenly, there were labels who you could go to, and everybody who felt like they didn't get enough attention attention from Larry, basically, yeah. or from you know from the label. But you know, the Larry version of doing things was not very labely. You know, it wasn't very much like uh, there was not tour support, there was not advertising, there was no budgets to speak of. It was very much like spend nothing, and then if it gets big, cash the checks, doesn't work for every band sure. that doesn't have this accidental like explosion. Yeah. So, at that point, it was like, uh, you know, Chris uh, was very concerned with fostering goodwill among the people who were willing to to stick with hmm. the label, and he was also very supportive of me, and so that's why we had a real, in you know, relative terms, a real budget for the album that turned out to be "Love Is Dead," yeah. and uh, and so, um, and and to the degree that it was possible, they did make the most of it, and we put a lot of effort into it. They did too. We were a not a legal partnership, but in as a spiritual partnership, particularly me and Chris. Um, but the you know the label did a lot for us. There was a limitation of what was feasible for a little label to do, and just because they put out records by this mega superstar band didn't mean that they could, you know, that that could be uh, replicated yeah. at will. Um, but those were good years for us. Uh, we had it was a it was a novelty, like I said before, a novelty for me to suddenly. Uh, have my band have an audience when we would play, and, and to not sleep on floors. No, exactly right. It was just a little yeah. bit better. Not rock star level. Not even sure. sort of like uh, you know proto rock star level. But it was. It didn't suck quite as much. And um, and then you know I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't in the position of having to be embarrassed by every. That was just constant embarrassment. Like people would. We would do these shows. We'd like. We. You know periodically yeah. drive to San Jose to play a show at Marsugi's and there would be eight people there and every single one of them would come up after the show and say, "Why are you still doing this?" I mean, for, c- come on, <laughs> can you take a hint? Look at this room. Take a hint. Get it up. You're smart, you know, go yeah. to law school Do. And so suddenly it was at least the bravado, the the image of it not being something to be embarrassed about was was there and and that was nice but also um I'd gotten kind of used to uh people not really paying attention and it was a little bit it weirded me out a little bit you know and 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 then the same thing happened when my book that nobody really expected much of became made it either yeah. a bigger splash really than we're talking about love is dead for the record that suddenly we put out a record that people liked Um, and you know it was my first book but it was the same sort of thing it was was bigger as a media event and you know in terms of sales as well Um, and that also just blindsided me Um, and it's a cool thing to happen but it's also like you know presents these challenges and if you are a person like me who doesn't have any clue what he's doing um it can be uh it can present you with a uh, overwhelming set of circumstances that you you know i mean I, I it was uh i always felt like i was flying blind um so it was a that was yet another iteration of the same there's so many parallels between my my early years as a yeah. as a rock band as a you know rock and roll songwriter punk rock guy and then my my the, the literary phase, which I'm still in now, um, where uh, there, the, the parallels are so clear—being a pop punk band versus being a YA author—very similar uh, in terms of how how culture regards you and the experience of doing it. Yeah. Like you're You're the—you're not quite real. You're at the kids' table. You're—you know—it's like, well, this, these aren't. Um, are you ever gonna? Are, do you ever thought about doing real music someday? You ever think about writing a real novel sometime? I mean, these are quite the, the, yeah. these are questions that are posed by very well-meaning people who mean them as compliments. You know, I think if you really tried, could you could do some <laughs> real music. You could do a real yeah. novel, maybe. I think you have the talent if you worked on it. Um, and with without kind of realizing that uh, that this thing is the in- the intention is. This is, this is what it's supposed to be. Yeah, this, this is, is the end. This is fully yeah. realized version. It's not like the junior version of the later real thing. This yeah. is the real thing. But it's hard to get for people to get their mind around. And so then you always have this, you walk around with, you know, depending on your personality, a bit of a chip on your shoulder, a bit of an inferiority complex, a uh, bit of a, you know, something to prove, a bit of a resentment, you know, uh, towards the world because um, they're, you know, you're... You're, there's a lot of ways in which you're maybe justly ignored, but then there's a lot of unjust uh, uh, injustice in it as well because you know uh, people approach something like I got off track here, but people approach something like a YA novel, yeah. teen fiction, and a, and pop punk. They they approach it thinking they know they know what they're gonna hear or read already. Sure and they don't actually listen to it. And this is something that is fascinating to me because uh, um, my, it's one of the reasons, I mean, if I analyze it, one of the reasons why uh, people get, when they finally do pay attention to the songs and they realize that they're, uh, that there's something interesting going on in them, and it's a big shock even to people who've listened to it for years and years and years hmm. because... Uh, that's not what it's supposed to that's not what it's supposed to be um, I'm not the only guy that focuses on songwriting in this world sure. but people just don't they're they they they're surprised to find that there are uh, um, complex narrative conceits that are being, they just assume that when there's an eye in a song it is the eye of the singer yeah. even though in other contexts they're smart enough to realize that's not the case but it's kind of like someone, you know, seeing a a Kurosawa film, and they say, this is the l- lousiest kung fu movie I've ever seen. You know, and it's yeah. like, it's, whoa, this, is, this isn't pop punk. I mean, they, they, this isn't pop punk. I, this isn't teen fiction. I mean, I've heard that before, too. It's like, who do you think you are yeah. trying to foist this on? Um, but, you know, that that there's no future in that complaint as a complaint. But it's just kind of interesting looking back. The position that you're in, uh, the one thing you get from it that's a positive is the vital element of surprise
1: because nobody expects you to succeed in that way.
0: And right. And, and then when it, in those cases where someone gives your stuff, uh, you know, some kind of serious attention, uh, then, you know, you, you have, there, there is a benefit to low expectations, I guess. I mean, I, I noticed that in myself as well. Uh, you know, uh, not to say that everything thing that I, I'm not claiming that everything I've done in, in the, in the books and the music, you know, for God's sake, I'm not saying it's all this high level of achievement and, and everything, because it's absolutely not. And I, you know, like made a lot of mistakes in public that I would, you know, that I wouldn't do now. Um, But I think that, that there is a lot of, of, uh, because of the, what they call the, the get, you know, there's the YA ghetto, there's the pop sure. punk ghetto. Yeah. Um, you don't, it's not like I'm saying, you don't get a, it's not like you don't get a fair hearing. You don't get a hearing. Yeah. And people just see it and go, ah, huh, and throw it in the garbage immediately. I mean, that's what happens with most stuff that people do anyway, but it's particularly poignant when you've got two phases of a career that have the identical situation, you know? Do you, but...
1: And I'm sure you've you've thought about this, you know, particularly when something kind of comes out of blue and and there's a level of success you didn't anticipate. But, you know, when you look back on on your career and and some of these shifts that you've made and even that kind of. Um, you know sort of the decision to maybe abandon a particular period or stop playing music for a little while do you feel like you're prone to self-sabotage when you see a certain level of success in front yeah. of you
0: um, well yeah absolutely obviously and this is the, the argument that I all I've always had when I've had something that yeah. works uh, I mean ultimately if you zoom out I think that sometimes the commercial decision, might not be the right one. I mean, I think that... Uh, I mean, it, who knows what would have happened. If I, so my, the, the popular record was Love Is Dead. The subsequent record, Revenge of Sweet and So Are You, was basically like a higher fidelity uh, version of that. It always was,
1: felt like a sequel to me.
0: Which Right. Yeah. Which was actually... It was my intention to do a a sequel, but more complex arrangements. and And the every... Force arrayed against me was was opposed to that like label producer band fans everyone um, and but I mean in the in the alternative universe where I had just gone along with that and you know done like four or five subsequent identical albums uh, i 'm not sure that w- I mean in, initially that would have been uh, more popular and we probably would have sold more records but the music industry still would have collapsed. Um,
1: it still would have. <laughs> you wouldn't have I saved handedly There,
0: there. It still would have occurred, yeah. transpired that everybody sure. got together behind my back and said, "Okay, let's not pay any money for music anymore." They did it at a really bad time too. They did it right when my the my. Yesterday Rules, the, the last album before yeah. this one that my band did, we recorded it before everybody made that decision yeah. in 2003-ish. And then it came out in 2004 and we were on the road when I realized, um, you know, hey, what are the sales of this record? Oh, yeah, there's zero sales. Nobody buys records anymore. I was like, Re- really? What am I going to do now? You know, it's, so that's still what would have happened. And I, as a, as a writer, um, I feel like a couple more love is deads would have killed me you know it's like I I and I probably would have just and I think the audience they don't think this now they didn't think that then but I think they might have agreed too. how yeah. much of that can you you know you want you I mean I know as a fan of of uh, of music myself I'm far more interested when I don't know what I'm gonna get when I you know first put the the music on, and um, you know it. But there's always a challenge. Music fans, punk rock <laughs> fans, pop punk, maybe particularly a very conservative group, and they're very sensitive to almost they don't like any change at all. You know, you you, you change your guitar s- yeah. sound. Yeah. I mean, I got when the the subsequent record to. Uh, Revenge of Sweetness are you, Alcatraz, yeah. which is a which sonically it's a very sweet record. Sonically very different. Yeah. Uh, writing wise, it's a it it was it I mean you can tell it's my stuff, but I was trying to, you know, to approach it from a oblique angle yeah. in a way that hasn't done before. I got. I mean, literally, got death threats because of the guitar tone. I mean, this is the. This is the. This is the thing. Oh my that, god,
1: the pop punk mafia.
0: Yeah, you. I, someone. This really happened. Someone sent a rat head to my to the P. O. Box with like a post it that said "sellout" on it. So this is the thing. It was in a ziploc bag. It was very. Well, um. So yeah, they're very conservative. Uh, and this is something that goes all the way back in every single record, which, you know, I, I tried to make them justify their existence by being different from each other yeah. and making it, coming from a different angle to the degree that I could on these, even on these small budgets. So, you know, Milk Milk Lemonade comes out, it's got like that kind of guitar hero kind of uh, leads on it and everything. Um, and uh everybody hated that and they were they were just uh, you know it's like what the you don't sound like this is terrible it's like and,
1: everybody starts to love yourself when it's too late
0: that's right then the next record yeah. comes out and like clockwork all the people that said they hated the, the previous one are saying how come you don't do one like that previous one I used to hate are, are you
1: sure are you sure that it's that at like to some degree isn't just a case of you because it's it's like I don't know and and, and this this is definitely the way that I operate, and it's very unfortunate, but, like, <laughs> I'm very bad at listening to praise, and I only hear criticism.
0: Absolutely. And I'm my worst critic, as they yeah. say. And I've got a bit, you know, the thing is, I... Self-deprecation is sort of, like, my animating... It's, like, the biggest part of my soul, and it's <laughs> partly because I feel that it's tasteful. Yeah. I... I think that that's the way that's the best way to present yourself uh, as a it's how I like to be seen as a modest person however it also reflects a genuine reality where and I think in, you know and maybe that's what you know one thing that kind of maybe pushes you to
1: improve yourself it's, But self-deprecation is tasteful easily could have been a Mr. T experience song
0: it, No absolutely I mean that 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 uh that sums up a lot yeah. of what of what this whole but, but, like- but
1: you're but you're right, you know. And, and, and I think about this a lot. I think about, um, I think part of it too. I, I think smart people have are. It's difficult for them to be happy, Absolutely. and I think like that also goes for creative people. And you know, as long as long as it doesn't go too far in the direction of depression, as long as it doesn't go too far in the direction of like anhedonia and really stopping the creative process, yep. it does. It does drive you. Always being like slightly unhappy with the last thing is what pushes you into the next project. No,
0: that's absolutely right. And I think like a lot of people in my world, um, both worlds actually, um, YA fiction, when it clicks, is a is a it can be very successful with little effort. You know, yeah. and, and I think people don't necessarily. Uh, have the need to feel like they need to top themselves every time, um, but also it's an aesthetic thing as well. Where I just feel like if I if I ever repeat myself, that I'm doing something wrong. Yeah, and this is from a lifetime of following uh, artists that following meaning you know being a fan of artists that uh, that take that approach that kind of approach you know i Maybe mean there's a
1: dylan reference in the <laughs> the that, title there's a dylan reference in the title I, that's pretty
0: right so, uh, per, yeah excellent yeah. example you're you're you know you challenge your yeah. audience to go along with you and that's actually a risk yeah um and but you got to stick to your guns or else there's no point so you know it, like uh, i think it's the i'm pretty sure it's flannery o'connor who said uh who had the the quote about you know uh the, her readers are the enemy. Like you, it's a challenge. You are yeah. you are you are jousting with them, yeah. and you you're 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 challenging them to follow you where they don't want to go necessarily. Um, and you know when people really are devoted to your work in that way, which is a very hard position to achieve when you're you know little punk rock guy or a little teen fiction author. But you know I have a coterie of people like that and some people have, you know dylan has a bigger one obviously but um when you do that that becomes the the point of interest i mean i knew but you know people few people have heard this record yet and i i know that they're very curious about what yeah. it sounds like and i've been a long time Frank. it's been a long time but it's also i I've, I've set it up you know Semi on purpose, semi not, where the, you don't necessarily know what it's going to be like, and I—that—that's the greatest part of experiencing an artistic work to yeah. me—is like the thirty seconds before you actually hear it, sure, and then what happens to your mind when you try to uh, to
1: yeah. know, orient towards sort of, I mean, and the that, fact that you never like. Uh, like I or at least I'm this way I never like a record on the first or second or even third listen
0: no it's it's true it's true Uh, and a lot of times those ones that I really dislike I mean the the best example of that that I mean Robin Hitchcock's a guy that I follow like that like every single thing he does and it's always a surprise yeah and I I love him for that and I value him for that. Um, but there are a lot of things where I listen to it and it just alienates me. Yeah. Um, the best example is uh, Respect. I don't know if you're familiar with that album, but um, it's, it's got a lot of um, strange sounds yeah. on it, electronic sounds, uh, although it's weirdly kind of a folky yeah. album. I heard it and thought, oh, well, nice try. I guess this. I put it away. I dug it out four years later and realized this is maybe my favorite rock record of all time. Because this
1: is—I mean, this is exactly what you're talking about before, and and especially because I, I think, like at his heart, Robin Hitchcock is kind of a pop guy. But it's the the, the issue is when you come into something by somebody you know, y- your first reaction is to completely try to contextualize it. Yeah. So all you're listening for are the ways in which it's different or the same. Right. So but what I will say, and you know, because of the timing. I had about you know five minutes with the record, but um, you know take this how you will. But it's like it's very clearly a Mr. T experience record. Like there's no yeah. there's no question about that.
0: Absolutely. I mean, it's who it's. I mean, I, I the, the, like it's. The, I'm the guy that writes the song, so yeah. You know, it's it is a uh, everything about it has been done differently though, hmm. and so that's an that's an interesting. Uh, I mean, sort of practically. And, um, you know, w- and conceptually, because I mean, these are all songs that are from the books. These are this is like, you know, the conceit that I stuck to very severely is uh, that these are songs written by the character, the narrator of these books performed by me yeah. and my band. And um, and it 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 meant. That uh, they are, to a degree, different kinds of songs, Mm. and then there's the circumstances of recording it, which are, you know, no label. I mean, I'm I'm associated with a kind of a label now, Um, although when it was when we first started it, and you know, up till quite recently, I didn't think there was going to be any kind of a label at all. Um, The uh, so it was all uh, this kind of. Hard Scrabble, kind of trying to piece things together without a budget, without a, without a, uh, a remit other than my own, and that, it, and I found subsequently, it's a, it's a hard thing for people to get their mind around. I have had such difficulty explaining what the, the hell the, this the is connection is between people. the two. You mean? The, I mean. Okay, here's the new album. Yeah, it's songs from the book. It's like, what is this? Demos or it, wait, wait, I'm having this It's a book. Yeah, but it's. A, I mean, it's. It seems easy to me, but it's hard to explain well, to people. What's and,
1: what, what, What's difficult for me to con- conceptualize, and you know, maybe this will shed some light on uh, on it for people is what the order for you was and, and and whether or not like you are actually writing the songs as you're writing the book or you write the book you finish the book and then you sort of like like you know yeah. backseat it some of them that was what it was yeah.
0: some of them was some of it was you know when you're when you're writing a novel it's like you are it's a performance that you're doing hmm. as a chari- we, the kind of this kind of novel yeah. i mean
1: this is what, um, you're in somebody's head philip roth yeah.
0: you know the, had a quote where he said you know the, people don't and in response to the question of how autobiographical is it or whatever, it's, it's, like it's an irrelevant question because what you're doing with a novel is a performance. You are performing as a voice. And um, this voice, if you're doing it, if it's, if it's clicking, if it's working, this voice is driving you. And you exert some editorial control over it yeah. subsequently. And, you know, as you're going on, you're still... It's not like you're you've gone insane and become this other person. <laughs> you have your your own. There's a guiding light behind yeah. it that, that hopefully prevents you from doing something completely nonsensical or you know. You're to not Daniel Day Lewis, right, exactly. Not not method acting, yeah. really. But there's a degree to which you cannot write a novel if you don't if that doesn't happen. Yeah. I mean, it's a, so so. Some of it was the these song titles are and there's a kind of a meta thing where it's the narrator trying to be funny and me trying to write the narrator being funny. So some of these are preposterous titles that, that are supposed to be funny on these several levels. Yeah. Um, not unlike my approach to writing my own, I mean, my own songs, they're all my songs, but you know, my songs that I write as not this character part one of the things I love doing both as a writer and as a listener is if you have a preposterous title and then, you have the uh, the song the, the job of the song is to sell it so that by the time you finish listening yeah. to it you, it makes perfect sense And okay now I know why that's there why would anyone write a song called Lawnmower of Love and then by the time you finish hearing it it's like okay Lawnmower of Love I get it that's the, that's the, the uh, to me that's the ultimate uh, achievement in in writing a song, and
1: you're but you're really able to get into this guy's head a lot more effectively if you're writing something if you're writing a song as him, right? Yeah, right. Well, so, they, so, but it's a challenge because
0: yeah. you know I'm I'm I mean it's not as much of a stretch as it might be for some people because sure. my the, a lot of I'm very very uh, one of the reasons why I was able to slide from writing these songs to doing them in a narrative form, essentially. You know, the, the what the sensibility of the songs. It's how the, the agent who suggested that I try to write novels, that was how he put, put the sensibility of the songs. Narrator, if you could do that in a novel form, I think that would be pretty good. And that's why I did it. That's why I, what I tried. The reason was because my, there's a lot of my songs, and frankly, a lot of rock and roll music, is teenage music. It's yeah. an adolescent sensibility that was already present sure. there. It's Just um, uh,
1: Chuck Berry, like all the way through.
0: Absolutely, yeah. um, you know, if you, there, there, there is different. There's other things that are done in rock and roll music, and then you, you know, I, you, I refer to it as strain into art rock, which I love art rock as well. Mm-hmm. But there's a, there's a, you know, there's in every. And all the art that Pete Townsend did, but can 't explain even though he derided it even at the time he did oh, it yeah. that 's the the core of it right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. so it's like and in fact that is a really unfortunately good,
1: for Pete Townsend he never grew up which no, no, that, that's
0: that 's <laughs> yeah. a, a good metaphor for yeah. for the entire project of a of yeah. a rock and roller growing up i can't expl- i still can 't explain yeah i 'm fifty years old i still can 't explain yeah. i mean that so um so there i 'm on solid ground there, but writing. The kind of song that a different character that that this character would write, there are differences into what I would choose to put an album in, and um, in a way it's there that's a bit liberating uh,
1: you have to you, you can't be afraid to be kind of dumb if you're writing as a teenager
0: yeah uh, that's absolutely no. true. I mean, honestly, an actual teenager who had written these songs they wouldn't be as tight. <laughs> I mean, it would be sure. long but, but sure. you know, that I, you, that, yeah. that's, that's also part of the, uh, that's part of the, you know, the gimmick that goes yeah. along. I mean, I, 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 didn't, I focused my best writing chops to bear on these songs, yeah. you know, it's like, and that's, you know, like I've been getting across in this interview. It's like, uh, 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 hard one the the what I know about how to do it and um, but it it's an it, it was an interesting uh, you know sometimes you have a when you have a relatively narrow uh, remit sort of you know you you have an assignment that yeah, that has to stick to these particular parameters. Um, then, and then you make the most of it. Uh, you c- can lead to some really cool stuff. And that,
1: I mean, and, and that gets back exactly to what you were talking about before with like the, the limits of money and production and all these things. And it was those constraints right. that helped see, you Right, but see the
0: constraints, weirdly, because of not being responsible to anyone else yeah. in doing it. Um, I mean, this is like sort of the closest. I've come to the actual result being like The Vision. And the reason is because I didn't have anyone to answer to. Uh, Also, the reason is I've got a band who's very good um, uh, at playing and is also fully on board. And we have some talents. Ted Angel is a great guitar player, and he's a really good engineer. And that is the reason solely, I mean, that the, the sonic success of it is due solely to to the engineering um, him, and then Denny Muller also, is a, he engineered um, uh, three of the songs, and, and then the mastering, I mean, the engineering was top-notch, uh, and they, but it was all kind of to an unprecedented degree directed yeah. by my, for better or worse, by my idea of how it should come out, and, um, and so, you know, like, you know, the uh, limitations can be liberating is what I'm, I'm getting at.
1: I, I, know, I, know, I know I used the phrase self-sabotage before, and now, but now that I'm thinking about it, I kind of want to back that up a little bit and say that, like, I think that, you know, maybe the overarching theme to a lot of your stuff and maybe whether it's a blessing or a curse that you do your best st- stuff when nobody's looking.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, and no one was looking for most of it, and yeah. still not really, you know. But um, I, I think, but I think you know, you, you get there's a there's a spark you get from uh, being a little bit off kilter, yeah. And the, uh, and if you're if you're smart, if you if you're or if you just are are well focused, if you bring everything you have to bear on the off kilter situation. Then so much the better, but if you don't have the spark, then it's worthless. So um, you you know you uh, sometimes you won't sometimes it won't come off, but you gotta. I think there there's an element of um, uncertainty and of uh, you know uh, question marks that that make the difference between something yeah. the, something potentially really working and just being pedestrian. Um, And I think it's very easy to be, to be conservative when you, especially when you have a successful uh, career and a, and a, you're, you're, you know, building on a catalog. If you're a, if you're a musician or, you know, you've got a, I mean, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, a lot of risk in, uh, in shaking things up every single time you do something. Uh, But, uh, it, it, if you uh, you know it, it's a it's a it's a good risk, and if you don't do it, yeah. you know you you run the risk of, of the risk of uh, of you know doing something that is not interesting. So
1: you, you you hinted at this a little bit when when you were talking about um, your your agents' a, a advice to you, but I'm you know, I'm really curious about that about that time period of, of the uh, you know two thousand three two thousand four. Um, how conscious of an Decision was it to just kind of stop making music for a while?
0: Um, it was just an impossibility. Uh, it wasn't like I. W- I w- it wasn't like I. Like I uh, said, oh, I'm not going to do music anymore. It was just that there was the thing where you had a label that would give you money to record a record, and then you could manage to you know basically pay
1: for it yeah. by selling. CDs, yeah. on the road or whatever, uh, that did not exist. You had um, you had worked toward a certain process, and then the rug just kind of gets pulled out. From and under and you. Yeah. I
0: didn't know how to do it. I don't think anybody knew how to do it. Yeah, I don't think anybody knows how to do it now. It's fair. I mean, it, it's one of the that's one of the th- the reasons you know, no one knows how to sell records. No one. I mean, and and honestly, in publishing, uh, there are similar pressures brought to bear. They probably don't realize the extent to which it is going to yeah. undercut the entire literary culture when things are expected to be free all the time. Um, but the, the, it was, it, it took a long time, uh, to be ready to, and to have the circumstances where, for very, where, you know, it was, it made sense to try to do it again and, um, then you know it. So it, w- it was a demoralizing time in many ways. We, I, mean, I was very, I was very uh, proud of the song, the Yesterday Rules songs. Yeah. I thought that it was going to be a. You know, I'd been planning the next. I'm still the next record that I still plan to record. That one is. I mean, some <laughs> of the songs have been, yeah, um, swapped out over yeah. over 12 years. But basically, that's the record that never got done because there was just no. There was no industry. There was no culture. I mean, <clears throat> people um, who celebrate the end of the music industry think of it as the big, <clears throat> the big guys who deserve to die yeah. by that way of thinking. But it dragged everyone down, and yeah. it dragged the whole. Like there was a, the, the economy of it sustained a culture, and the culture included magazines and and clubs and 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 you know a lot of the. It's ironic and almost kind of a little bit of you know. Uh, schadenfreude about it, where you know a lot of the writer the rock writers who who were so enthusiastic yeah. about the idea that musicians weren 't going to be paid anymore well you know there aren 't those writers jobs yeah. anymore either they 're just they're, their magazines are all out of business they 're uh, probably you know maybe you know i don 't know twenty five music journalists who have a job now in the world you know it 's like it 's yeah. very very uh, constricted it 's the same process it's the same thing um, it's nothing you can do about it but it 's regrettable because um there there was a for all its flaws there was a way that a little band could finance a little career and have it be vaguely viable, which we don 't have now so my um and you know interpersonally my the band kind of uh disintegrated at the end of the of that tour that we did in 2004 you uh, were kind of used to like disintegrations yeah, exactly. yeah. but you know we would we would i mean what it took us 12 years to do yeah. this time reconstituting with a new drummer and you know same two guys other guys that were on yesterday rules and on that tour uh, what took us 12 years to do this time would have taken you know a matter of months maybe yeah. before i mean when i look back at those records it seems like they're so such a they f- it feels like a much longer time between, you know, uh, uh, making things with light, 1990, milk, uh, milk, lemonade, 92. ninety three. It's like year, 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 yeah, year, year. Yeah. Um, but it felt like a chasm of time between yeah. them and like we've retired and are, you know, start, jump-starting the that's engine just, again. But that's just
1: being in your 20s, you no, know. No, right. No, exactly. <laughs> that,
0: it's true. Um, so, but then, but at the time it was like, okay, I, I got to think of something else to yeah. do. And then, sort of fortuitously, uh, this uh, YA fiction suddenly was a big deal. And this is why I met the guy who was a fan of my band, Stephen Malk, my agent, who is the sole catalyst for me having a literary career. And over the years, he would show up to my band's shows and you know he had uh, ambitions to be a literary agent before he actually was one I think but he was talking about this way back in the in the 80's I think and he would hand me a card and as time went on you know the card got more official yeah. that he was affiliated with a, it's
1: he, a little thicker his, the font his, was, yeah. he
0: got, had a nicer card yeah. and, and so I was like really you're like thinking, this guy might actually
1: be onto something
0: well I was out of ideas Yeah, I didn't know what
1: to do yeah
0: uh, and he subsequently, you know, at, at, could have coincidentally at that time started sending me sample chapters of books that he had sold for at what at the time seemed astronomical amounts of money to me. I was like, I cannot believe this. And, yeah. and I, yeah, I, similarly to how I looked at punk rock, I, I can do this. That was my thought. And actually, when it came down to it writing a novel, is quite challenging um, when you really sure. have to do it. But. I gave it a
1: gave it a shot. But you were so so so. How old were you when when you kind of made that career shift?
0: Um. So right. 2003,
1: two thousand three, two thousand four.
0: Um. I would have been just uh, in my late thirties.
1: Okay. So so, I'm I'm just you know I'm trying to con- kind of contextualize that a little bit from the standpoint of like I'm in my late thirties and like. This is, I mean, that's got to be scary to to just try to do something completely new. It
0: was scary, although it was like, what else am I, what else do I have? So, but it was also, you know, kind of a audacious sort of like, um, you know, how dare you, sir? Kind of, you know, this is a. Know your place. Right, exactly. And, but, you know, this, and I thought of it very. Much in terms, of almost like a scam, not a real, not a real thing. Yeah. So that was another mitigating thing. Like you know, he was like, uh, the the my uh, the agent sent me these sample chapters, like bits of books that he like that he sold for lots of money. And I said, like, well, I can I can do this. Sure, I'll try to do this. Um, and then you know, he would uh, he was even kind of sowing the seeds, as I said long before. And one of the things that happened on. On that last tour, the Yesterday Rules tour, when I when we played in Brooklyn, we were in New York. Yeah. He sent out m- emails to various editors and said, "Here's this guy that is writing a YA novel, although I hadn't written anything. Uh, maybe you want to, you know, go to his show and talk huh. to him." And of the four that he that he uh, contacted, one of them did show up, and she's who became my editor. But at that time, and then you know, the next day. We went out to lunch, and for that time, my the height of my ambition was the free lunch. That was like all I wanted out of the publishing industry was this is a great this is a great and It was yeah. a great lunch. <laughs> I mean, publishing is publishing industry eighty yeah. percent taking people out to lunch. Yep. That's what yep. that's what it is. Yep. Um, and so then you know I uh, I didn't have a book. I had a I had a uh, the poten- I had a the potential of if I wrote a book. I would be the kind of guy who had a book, um, and then the the editor said, yeah. "Well, you know, maybe you should just look at your songs and sort of choose that one. Choose a song as a way to jump off." And I think that's kind of a thing that people say. But I took that seriously, and one of the reasons why I ended up she ended up being my editor was this. I didn't realize at the time it was a good thing that she ended up being my editor, as it turned out. But if you get advice like that, you kind of have this ethical. Uh, uh, duty obligation to, yeah, yeah. Like, so she 's given me advice she's, this she has a, a hold on this, yeah, she could have rejected it, yeah. um, but you know so we didn 't do the thing with as some of these writers did, where there was this bidding war and everything um, it was so it was less money than the astronomical it was still a huge amount of money when it finally happened in my thinking at the time mm-hmm. of being completely broke with nothing going on, and I hadn 't had a job and you know, 15 years and I didn't know what the hell I was doing. It was, it failed me out basically. But, uh, I thought if I could fool these people into thinking I'm a writer just to get the advance, then I could pay the rent for a few months and then, mm. you know, who knows how I'll, you know, maybe I'll sell some plasma or something to, you know, to augment it or, um, and, uh, I wrote what I thought was a demo And, you know, like 30 pages in a cafe, I was, you know, I sent it to the agent saying, is this the kind of thing you're talking about? And then I didn't hear from him for a couple of weeks. And I thought that's the verdict. Yeah. I didn't really care that much. And then the next message I heard from him, okay, I think I've sold your book to random house. Ah. And so that was a big, that was, okay. Then it was terror because I had to finish it. But even until I, until I had the experience of, I wrote a draft, and I turned it in, and I was still kind of thinking it... I mean, I, my editor probably doesn't want to hear this. I was still kind of thinking it was a scam. Like, what can I get out of this without without being real? Yeah. And, um, you know, my first draft was terrible, but what it had was this thing that's actually very challenging, uh, very hard to come by, which is a, a voice yeah. that is compelling and unique. And I didn't know I had that. I, it just was this sort of thing, an idiot savant kind of trying it for the first time and I had this thing that turns out outsider to be, art to be valuable yeah. and then I had to do four drafts it was like I had to figure out a way to turn this raw voice into a novel and I got it wrong three times yeah. until I finally you know I mean it was you know if, if you judge the marketplace to be the arbiter of whether something is successful uh, and certainly if you judge the you know the media reaction uh, it was a success I did it well I did it well enough um, but that's how I became a writer and then it was you know the sort of thing where I had this dream of doing what I'm doing now which is the kind of having the two sides of the creative yeah. thing that the novels and the songs sort of meld together and kind of uh, support each other and I in, in a limited way I kind of had done that you know I I did release a theme song, Seven Inch, uh, of my book. second book, yeah. um, Andromeda Klein. And I, you know, I had some of, I had the songs, I mean, as you, the question that you originally asked was, did I write the songs as I went along? Some of them were being written as I was writing King Dork, uh, the first book, some of them after the fact. But uh, I did have these songs that, you know, now we're talking, they date back 14 years now. Um, but I was, I wasn't able to, make it happen because I was still in that um, my band self-destructed the music industry self-destructed everything self-destructed yeah. at least I got this book thing to, to do now and it was a good thing to do I mean it's still a good thing to do I, it's a you know every I mean writing a book writing a novel is still the hardest thing that I've done I can't believe I've done it three times it, it kills you I mean it's like a it's a it's not like um it's not because it's great, a greater thing than writing a song, and in fact, writing a well-written, complete song is maybe a little more elusive. Uh, but uh, still, it it takes your whole life and soul away from you, and it's uh, and I I have a lot. I'm a lot less of a literary snob. Than I was before yeah. I became a writer because I gotta hand it to anyone who can finish a novel. It's like it's just it's it's like superhuman thing to do.
1: There's there's no there's no analog to like going out and being able to play a song live for the first time and workshopping it and 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 bouncing it off other people. It's such. I mean, you've got your agent, and I'm you know I'm, I'm sure like you know you, you bounce things off your girlfriend, but it's but it's such a solitary act and it's, and everything, and even like, and I know, you know, you, you, you did the solo record and in a lot of ways, obviously like you're the through line for the band, but it's still, you still get to sort of diffuse some of the responsibility in a way that you can't with a novel.
0: Well, that's, that's right. And, uh, not only that, but you, you spend three years on this thing and then after it's over, that's it. It's you know, it's like, and you've got, and it, and it, and a lot is, uh, it, it bears a lot of freight. You have to, for the, the reader, has to invest a lot in it, like with a song. You can, I mean, I've, I've spent, three, four, ten years writing, you know, completing songs before, mm. but for the listener, they're over in two minutes. Yeah, so they don't hold you responsible in the same way if it doesn't work or if they don't like it. I mean. People who don't like your book have this level of resentment towards you that I've never experienced in a lifetime. It's worse than a rat head. Um, in in its own way, yes. <laughs> I mean, they they hold they take it very personally. Yeah. if They don't like your book. Yeah. Um, and and then there's nothing you can do. It's not like okay, well, I'll do a better one next time. You know, it's yeah. like you you're lucky if you get one at all. Get a, a book at all. Um, so yes, it's a. I mean it no good writers that I know enjoy writing uh, I I've heard some people say they do and but the good ones all hate it with like with a passion because it's a terrible experience you hate yourself through the whole process it's like and what they will all say which is what I will say is it's great to have written a book and yeah. it is there's nothing better than Having written it and having people react, you know, engage with it and respond to it, which is, you know, ultimately art doesn't exist unless somebody, sure. unless there's a uh, somebody experiences it. But so having done it is wonderful and it's hard won, you know, in, you know, it's a similar, similar, I, mean, I said the songs are hard one too, but yeah, it, it's, uh, it makes it, I, you just look back on it with astonishment. That you manage to do it, and uh, and there's something really cool about that. Unless everybody hates it, in which case, it's the the uh, self reproach that you have in the face of that is beyond any kind of self reproach I ever experienced in a lifetime of self reproach. So um, it's it's a it's a very intense experience that I don't think yeah. anyone who hasn't done it. Can't quite grasp
1: I mean it, You know right, Obviously it's a, Like writing in general Is a slog And and that's it's You know It's it's exponential When you're talking About an entire book But I mean There's a There's a certain Pleasure There's a certain High in, in, in the writing Process And it's like Connecting the dots um, But do you enjoy Being a musician More? Um, do you enjoy Anything in life Frank? Yeah
0: <laughs> You know It's like a, It's if you're doing it right, it's unpleasant. That's the thing. It's like you, you, you like it's, I don't want to be, you know, yeah. kind of
1: suffer for your art
0: or whatever. Sure. But it's like if you, you've got to put a lot of yourself into it, and it's that's not that nice. Sometimes. There are a your lot own. of jobs
1: in the world. There's a lot of things you can do, and 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 like you said before, I mean, you went to you, you went to Berkeley. Like there's all these you had you you had plenty of opportunities. So what, what the hell keeps bringing you yeah. back to these things?
0: You know, honestly, even when I was doing a kind of crappy job at it I have to say that that there is you know songwriting at least theoretically always was a vocation in in the literal sense of that Hmm. like like you know you're called to do it yeah and if you stop doing it for you know various reasons. If you just say, "Well, you know what? I'm am I'm gonna I'm gonna," which I you know it's gonna go to grad school. I, you know I thought okay, I'm gonna. I this was the, I did the rock and roll phase, and now I'm gonna do the the grown um, up phase. Yeah, and but it keeps calling you back. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of corny to say. Sure, but you know that that is the best description of it. You and and when you do it, there is a a, a thrill when you do it well. Yeah that is it's then it's elusive and you know you there uh, i i my as a creative person my i have on this very unfortunate cycle that i think a lot of people are of a sort of you know a bipolar yeah. kind of you know where uh, i will have these periods of intense activity that's very damaging to my health and to psychologically where it's just you know like each of my books it, they, you know, took three, four years to write them, but the actual first draft yeah. was like this: manic six weeks of just yeah. doing nothing but typing and on a liquid diet. Yeah. And by the end, then by the end, you just crash physically and emotionally. Um, and you know, with with the, it's a little bit different with the songwriting, but it's a similar process where I will just be, and it's almost like you, not quite, but to a significant degree you come out of it and you look back on it and it's like it was experienced by somebody else you're like how did i do that i look at some of my songs and i think how the hell did i think how did i how did that happen it's and but the thing is that um when it is clicking and this is the case when you're writing writing is frustrating but you can get on this little on the you're writing the wave of the of the voice or whatever, where you you know part of it is just it's a relief because it's so terrible when this isn't happening that you want to, yeah. and that's why you end up. So the you know, feeling
1: of not doing it is far worse than the feeling of and, doing and, it.
0: You know, so that's why you just put you type yeah. for, you know, I once typed this book. Yeah, uh, I was going at this crazy pace. I typed for forty-two hours <laughs> at one point. After which, I mean, I was um i was i was very ill and i was very and i i was not my, i was crazy i was not myself but you know you so you can and you know i, I wouldn't i wouldn't trade it for anything cuz it re- resulted yeah. in something that worked and that i that i'm that i'm pleased with but it, you know it's a hard it's a hard thing to do you could you could make more consistent consistently make more money and probably have a, a nicer life sure. doing something else. And, you know, I've, I've thought of that. I, I, you know, I, I'm an ill-suited person to a lot of the things that yeah. I try to do. I was never cut out to be a pop star. I probably, you know, there are people who write more efficiently and can make a better career out of, you know, churning out of what they say. The, I'm not sure if this has changed in modern, in the contemporary publishing, but uh, when I first started, when I was being instructed in the in the uh, conventional wisdom of, of, pub- of publishing, you know, if you turn in a manuscript every 18 months, that's supposed to be a good um career, a good yeah. the good pace Base, for a yeah. career. Yeah. There's no way in hell I could do sure. that. Um I almost kill myself yeah. when I write one of these things, you know? So it's like the the uh and it, it's so there are people though that are much Better suited, but when when I try to do it that way, it doesn't doesn't work. It doesn't. You, fit, and, so. and and
1: you know, and, and you, you were kind of I think getting at this before, but you're you're in a, a genre which is very mu- very very conducive to writing like series and things like that. Those are the most popular things, and I imagine that's a lot easier to kind of keep that that clip up.
0: Um, yeah, I don't really know how other people do it. I mean, yeah. I'm, there are people. I mean, I'm I, like I said, I'm just beyond impressed if someone ever manages sure. to finish anything at all and some people just churn out these books and I and they are there that is part of what makes a writer a good writer is being able to do that I just have you know a harder time um, I don't know why it is uh, um, I think they'd be different sorts of books sure. if I did it that other way and maybe that would be good may, better maybe that would be worse but it is the way it is and I that's just what I've had to It's kind of you you're you know yourself is what you're stuck with ultimately and a lot of times people, god help us yeah people will make this thing well you know th- this would be more successful why did not you do this why don't you yeah. replicate the career of this person yeah. what did you yeah. and uh you know the thing is i'm i i'm not that other person because i'm not i my my remit is to do this yeah. and for better or worse like i said i would i did a uh little tweet or whatever about it it's like um recently that got a, a lot a lot of reactions yeah. it was like uh this is for better or worse this is my you know quote life's work and if i had a better one i would certainly be doing it you know if i could yeah. choose somebody else's life wor- life's work by god i would do it but yeah. i this is the one i have it's like it's the best one i've got I, I don't really i can't really it's not just really a choice of mine why aren't you john green well because I'm not John Green you know th- yeah. there isn't another answer cause, to that because that and job it,
1: is already taken
0: yeah it's a, it's a weird it's a yeah. weird way to look at uh, at something creative anyway you know or why aren't you green uh, Day yeah exactly <laughs> yeah absolutely uh,
1: so you so I mean it sounds like there was never any question in your mind that you would be doing music again I mean even as like you know two years became five became ten
0: yeah oh yeah i I, I, I mean the The main thing that prevented from happening was their, you know, uh, circumstances, and also, you know, mentally getting my mind around the idea that I'm creating. Uh, it's a weird situation because you 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 have a you're putting a lot of of like the the kind of mental and psychological and physical energy into just the writing and yeah. the, you know making an album is a thing that at least in the past it was this thing that had intrinsic value that you could sell i mean you know the the way that the marketplace is recorded music is worth literally all so close to zero that it might as well be zero there is no value in it at all there it doesn't the the marketplace doesn't value it which means the culture doesn't value it individuals can value it but that doesn't pay for it so you have to get your mind around the fact you've got to figure out a way to do it that does not involve any economic return and hopefully or you know to to pay for it and then hopefully you can figure out a way that it can still be worth doing and this is you know like i like i'm this is my way of trying well how can you how can you make and sell an album these days I don't know everybody's tried various ways this is my way of trying it Mm -hmm. Um, we are doing some things that some people haven't done um, and maybe it'll click maybe it won't but so there was part of that was a practical and then a psychological barrier that went along with it Um, I continued to write songs and I would still go on these periodic songwriting jags Jags. where I would you know I would disappear for a while in my own self-destructive world and I'd have like four songs out of it that I would spend the next two years to fine tuning, which is my, the usual yeah. way. And I always had an album in my head that was going to be the next album to yesterday rules. At that time I wanted to call it tra la I don't know if that'll still be the title of it, but, um, I had the track list. It's been half of that still intact. Half of it has been replaced. Um, I always knew I was going to try to do it one day if it, but part of it was for for a long time of that period, I expected some you know maybe like a father figure to come along and say here's i 'll help you help you do this and
1: do you look at do you look at something like smile or i guess even like like Chinese democracy and just go like I kind of get what how that happens
0: absolutely absolutely <laughs> I get <it>. especially smile <laughs> yeah. I mean, no actually both yeah um, because uh, it's an it's an inherently unlikely thing to happen yeah. when you do it when you do it as you mean a, it, you
1: mean like producing an album yeah, yeah. I,
0: I mean I, you know when you do it with in a serious way i mean yeah. you know there, there, there's and there are a lot of wonderful records that were done including the beach boys records yeah. of the early period that were that were done just sort of cheaply as possible fly by night let's get these guys in. and i so i'm not denigrating that but if you are you know you know especially if you're doing it on a very small budget which i've done yeah. throughout my whole whole uh quote career um it, it's a very it's a very preposterous proposal it's a very yeah. you know proposition as as it even as it stands but now it's even more so I would say, but yes, I always had this album in mind. I didn't know whether it would happen. Maybe it would. I would be just me performing it live for my cat, every now and again, um, which I have done. Uh, and now,
1: and she's like, why, "Why are you doing this, Frank?"
0: Exactly, exactly. It, uh, not not impressed. Yeah. Um, but you know, uh, I think now uh, I've got a. I've got a circumstance where it, it yeah. could well happen. Um, this album, King Dork, approximately the album. In another way, it was something that I had in my head to try to do uh, from the time I first started. When my when my book was first written, uh, again, wasn't able to figure out a way to have it happen. Did it in a kind of did a de- to a very very tiny degree in a half-assed way. I played the songs I... I think I did some acoustic versions of some of the songs that were on as extras on the audiobook of mm-hmm. King Dork uh, speaking of which you know my the the closest one of the closest I ever came to a Grammy was that King Dork audiobook was on the short list or maybe the medium yeah. list for whatever the Grammy category for audiobook is Um it was won by Bill Clinton's um, uh, memoir or whatever. But I
1: mean, if you're so, going to lose to somebody,
0: yeah, right. <laughs> Me and Bill. Uh, so anyway, that's an aside yeah. that may, many people don't know. Um, but I, I had the, the I had the idea of doing that too, but that seemed quite far fetched. You know, you if you approach it from the point of view where you're thinking there needs to be a constituency to support it, then none of this stuff will ever get done because there isn't. You know, it's like even if you have fans, it's not a base that. I mean, I, the crowdfunding thing. I'm kind of temperamentally yeah. unable to do it. Um,
1: I to bl- to beg people. Yeah, for, I yeah. might
0: be able to hire somebody to do it on yeah. my behalf if that's what it takes. Maybe. So that's a that's the level where you ask for. Some you know ask for ask people for in a way that 's what i 'm doing now i 'm asking everybody for for their help to make this come about yeah. but you know uh, you have to approach it from a different uh, point of view, which is you are you use whatever resources you have to cause the the thing to exist and then you do what you can with it um, there is not a rule book and there's not a Uh, a well-worn path uh, and anybody who has told me what that is it it hasn't been persuasive and it's and um, nobody knows what to do um but uh whatever it's it's not it's an it's always an imperfect world this is not a great situation to to be i mean not only with not only with recording albums but rock and roll music is no longer the culturally impactful sure. thing that it used to be. I've experienced that in a way as kind of a relief that it's a little less explaining to do when, you know, it's like when the time was like well, why aren't you green day? everybody yeah. asked that. Nobody is going to ever ask me why aren't you Beyonce. You know, it's like the rock and roll music is, does not bear the freight yeah. that it once did. And so, but it just, one that's one of the things that is also makes it harder.
1: H- have you and 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 let, let's end on this because you know I've, t- I've taken up enough of your time, but our, our, you know, when when you look at this and you know this again, this is sort of a bringing together of these two different parts of of yourself, and in a lot of ways, this is a realization of something you've been thinking about doing for a very long time Absolutely. for twenty plus years. Yeah. Um, have you gotten better in your life as somebody who is you know very self-effacing? Have you gotten better about just kind of being able to be like? Proud and happy of something you've done. Uh,
0: you know what? Yes, I would say so. I mean, uh, I think I have a uh, part of that is, and part of the reason. I mean, I, what the the realization. Is better this time around, and and re- I mean, our, our the last record ages ago, still that was quite well realized as well. But it's like, so it's it's part of it is just being able to, uh, like, uh, you know, with the with the writing and with the execution, you know, that the metaphor of harnessing the horses and driving them properly. Yeah. You know, it was a very very long uh, learning process to figure out. How to do. So I feel that I am better at that but also I think you know you have a perspective when you look back and you realize that a lot of the things that you beat yourself up for had their moments it's sure. kind of like you know I'm listening to I, I I do the thing I'm a little maybe a little bit on the spectrum and I do a thing with my uh, con- consumption of art uh, of you know, where I will relentlessly explore like I, I for example I listen to the Entirety of the Rolling Stones recorded output in chronological order um, recently. And wait,
1: did you make it all the way to the present day, or did it, you stop I, off?
0: I, wow. I mean, I stop. I mean, in my mind, they stop at Tattoo You. Okay, but in this process, Bridges, I did the whole the bridges thing. Bridges, Babylon, and yeah. the whole. And yeah, you know, the, the I <laughs> there were I. I mean, I, honestly, I can't go there. I cannot, I can't tell you anything about that. That's just like, yeah. my mind is unable to accept it. Yeah. But there are the lesser, the agreed upon lesser known albums that sure. I, that when you go and revisit them, you see the failings and then you see that these, you see their, their good points. And I, you know, uh, like it's only rock and roll is a pretty good example yeah. of that. Goats where, Head
1: soup maybe. Yeah. yeah. That,
0: you know, it's like, it, and I can look at my own stuff. Yeah. In that same way as something, it's almost like it was done by a different person in a way, and huh. I can see the the uh, the good parts yeah. along with the bad parts, and uh, I and I'm I think I've am at more at peace with the idea that the things I'm doing now are part of something that is built on what those were um, for you know warts yeah. and all. And there are, even on the worst things I've ever done, there are moments that, uh, that kind of make me, you know, kind of smile to myself or think, oh, that's a... And, you know, I, it, sometimes I do this, sometimes when I'm trying to relearn my old songs because I, I have so many songs I forget how they go if I'm trying to, sure. when I do shows, um, I'll I'll. I'll so, or I'll get a request for a song. I've got to Google the lyrics to remember what they are, and so I do this in this process. Yeah. And you know, sometimes I'll think of, you know, well, hey, Portman, that's a pretty good line. You know, like this thing that I probably didn't think about before, and uh, and I so you know, there, like I'm what I'm saying is I maybe have a, a more balanced perspective on it than i had before
1: i just i just like i, I i've been going i've been going through this a lot i'm really trying to get better at again i i, was, I think i might have said this before but trying to get better about taking a compliment for, from somebody uh versus saying you know when, when somebody compliments you about something saying oh that wasn't my best thing or that was the thing that you liked
0: yeah no absolutely <laughs> well you know you were you you were embarrassed by yeah. yourself I mean, that's kind of the human condition in a way, although there are people that aren't. And I'm always fascinated by them. There are people that just like, you know, that either don't think about the question of whether they're adequate and wonderful in the world or just think they are. I know people like that. I always think maybe in their somewhere in their soul, they're in their They're crying in the corner saying, you know, and
1: and they, they rarely make really good art.
0: Possibly not. I mean, and this is a tension in rock and roll music because you know you've got your, I don't know what you like your your the kind of personality that is the rock and roll personality. You know, it's like you you. uh, I mean, maybe you have you know maybe you've got a a team. You've got the you've got Pete Townsend and Roger Daltrey. You know, you've got the the uh, the guy in front and the brooding guy in back. Maybe that's the ideal situation. But yeah, I um you have. I feel like I always. I'm punching above my weight and have some explaining to do. And I will always feel like that. Uh, but um, on the other hand, uh, you know, if I look at what I've done over the past 30 years, I'm surprised by how substantial it is. Like just in terms of volume and, you know, it's a lot of stuff. And then I will see, you know, there are some, there are some really good moments and some, I, I mean, you know, I, I, I reach the point where I don't disavow it anymore, and for what maybe you know, for whatever reason that is, maybe that's, you know, sentimentality, maturity, delusion. Yeah. I don't.
1: Uh, Probably a combination yeah, of all of those but things. But
0: it, it's so. It, but the thing is that you realize that after a while, it's a part of the history. It's a part of, of your own history. And then weirdly, it's a part of other people's history, which is which um, I kind of find that to be a sobering hmm. thought um, because I talk to people <laughs> quite often these days, you know, talk to them either on the Internet, sometimes in person. But I hear from people for whom the stuff that I've done has loomed quite large in their lives, you yeah. a in a in a way that I, you know. It took me a long time to uh, grasp that that was what was happening or what was going to happen. And I, you know, all not to sound, you know, a little bit corny, but I do honestly feel like it's, it would be churlish of me not to honor it to a degree. And, um, and it's, it's, I, uh, you know, personally kind of moving to me to, to, uh, You know, to talk to someone who has that perspective on this stuff that I wrote, Hmm. um, that's what is, for all the pain that you have to go through to to write something that is the right sort of thing, that is the reason you do it. And I really spent most of my creative life not even regarding that as a real possibility for me, even though I'd experienced it with other stuff that that on my, you know, as the the recipient before. Um, And that's something that's changed, and I don't know why, but uh, it makes me a little more uh, able to, uh, you know, now when someone says this record meant a lot to me, I will sincerely say, thank you, that's very nice to hear, and not say wow you must really be an idiot You know, <laughs> which is I wouldn't say it in so many words yeah, sure. but that used to be the way that I would respond yeah. to that kind of thing
1: hey everybody it's Brian uh where where to start? Uh, so we've we we missed two weeks, two non-consecutive weeks. We've missed two weeks in the last month, uh, and and I apologize for that. I know we've been very good up until this point about doing the show every single week, but I have been traveling so much, so so much for work. Um, I've I I've, I've been traveling around the world, which I, I realize sounds super glamorous, but uh, very much is not. At least is, is not the. The way that I do it, uh, I was in, um, I mentioned this on a recent episode, I was in Berlin not too long ago. Um, I'm in San Francisco now. I was in San Francisco before. I was in New York for about uh, 18 hours for a, a very quick, I, I don't know if you could technically call it a, a layover, but it gave me enough time to you know do do my laundry and, and sleep in uh my bed one night uh, i i just got back from squaw which also sounds very glamorous and also very much was not was uh, covering a, a tech event out there uh i am sitting in a hotel room in uh, burlingame california right by sfo um pretty much just uh waiting to fall asleep and, and get on a plane and and, and go home um didn't really, unfortunately, I've, I've been very busy with all his work stuff and, and haven't had a lot of opportunities to do much for the show, uh, but I was very, very fortunate to sit down with Dr. Frank. I'm, I've been a big fan of, of his stuff uh, for, for a long, long time now. I, 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 I tried not to gush too much, but, uh, you know, I did met that, that Mr. T experience was a very very important band during my formative years growing up in the east bay um so i'm glad that we have the opportunity to do that thanks to uh, alex scordellis for for setting that up and uh, thanks to, to dr frank for being so accommodating and, and uh, meeting up with me kind of sort of the the last minute um really really enjoy this conversation i hope you did as well um lot Just lots of uh, just lots of interesting talk about uh, you know creativity and, and expectations and things like that. Pretty much the same thing that we rehash every single uh, episode of the show. But uh, I thought T he, uh, he put all that into interesting perspective. Um, if you are like I am, a big fan of the Mr. T experience, I have very good news for you. They have a new album coming out uh, in the very near future. Uh, if you're a fan of frank portman's ya work uh also good news uh so the the paperback of the sequel to his first book is is out now king dork approximately um and it comes with its own uh, its own free uh, mr t experience album so um kind of you know, as you mentioned during the interview putting himself in in the place of of the narrator and and um but now an album of a dozen songs, I've listened to a few times. I enjoyed very much. I highly recommend that you check it out, um, and uh, check out all of his writing and everything else. Uh, thank you so much to uh, to, to Frank for uh, sitting down for that. Thanks to you guys, as always, for editing for listening to the show. <laughs> thanks to Brian, as always, for editing the show together. Uh, thanks to him for putting up with a couple of weeks of uh, me not uh, coming through with any kind of uh, show to speak of. Um, if you do like the program, please uh, please follow us on uh, Tumblr. It's ryylcast.tumblr.com. That is the first and best place to get all of your R-I-Y-L-related information. You can uh, send us an email. That's ryylcast at gmail.com. Uh, please, uh, please rate us on, on iTunes if you're enjoying the program. And uh, if you've been listening for a long time and, and like the show, then uh, please consider... Throwing a couple bucks our way over on our Patreon. Uh, I think that's about all I got for this week. Um, I know I've said this the last couple weeks and it hasn't necessarily been true, but uh, stick around because we will be back just about this time next week with another episode of ROyl.